There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. Hire for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. And we've got a treat for you today. Not only are we going to be talking about the finale of Moon Knight, but our fearless hero has returned from the depths of Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what are you doing down there? <laughs> Robbie Baggins is back. Robbie, welcome back. What's all this? Okay, so if we were... Uh, Peaches and Chris are also here. Welcome, guys. If we were Hi. all the <laughs> the fellowship, who would everyone be? All right, so would we be the fellowship? I am, or would we be I am, the four... Whole, yeah, we're, I'm four Sam. we're the four hobbits. So I have to be oh, Sam. No, okay. no, no mm-hmm. you're Pippin. I, no, I am Sam. No, you're Pippin. I, I've, I've read mm, Lord of the Rings twenty times. You're Pippin. I defy you to put a no- which one of us is Sam. If it's not me, it's Chris. But if it's, it's not it's me, it's, it's absolutely Chris. There's, there's no. What question. are you talking about, Mr. Frodo? <laughs> no, I think I think I'm Sam and he's Frodo. And I may I think not be you able to two, carry this podcast. Let me. I think you two are Mary. Let and me Pippin. tell you something. Okay. Sam would never claim to be Sam. Also true. I am claiming to be Sam because somebody else who was no, in my life for no. a very long time said that I was Sam. Well, that person okay. was wrong because Sam would never, <laughs> never believe you that up. they were Sam themselves. Oh, my God. Also, if I'm totally honest, this is mostly a podcast of Sam's, but there can't be four Sam's. But there, can't be four. <laughs> there just has to be. You, you are maybe Sam compared to some other people, but you are not Sam compared to this podcast. Huh. You're not the Samiest. Green eggs and Sam's. Also, Eduardo is. I, I am Sam. Sam, I Sam am. Would not claim to be Sam. Oh, I'm, and that means I'm Mary. So I'm the fucking the dude from Lost. <laughs> I said that. Really what are you doing with the dude from Lost? <laughs> he said that really weird. I <laughs> meant to say I'm the fucking dude from Lost. No, you out. can't take it back now. <laughs> and I, of course, okay. am Fatty Bulger. And don't forget, you get to talk about how. Cloning and other dark side magic and science. No, thank you. <laughs> Lit. Well, Robbie, welcome back. Uh, how about you, before we go into the, the episode and everything, you give us a little bit about what you have thought about Moon Knight so far. Yeah. Um, I'll also add, I don't know if y'all have talked about it, but for listeners out there, um, I got a cool promotion at my job that meant that my time does not allow with these people anymore um align with these people so uh it's been fun i've enjoyed it it just has changed my free time in my personal life but i've liked moon knight um man it feels weird and we'll talk about this more but i feel confused and by that i mean even like my confused on my feelings about the show like i can't quite suss out how much i love what oscar isaac has done versus how much i dislike how much stuff like happens off screen or happens without an explanation and it's just i definitely like it i just am not sure how much i like it he hates it (laughs) 
That's really interesting. You heard it here, folks. Robbie um, hates Moon Knight. It's his least favorite superhero product ever. Even worse than Black Panther. <laughs> Ooh, digging up that old joke. Even yeah. worse than Eduardo hates the Helicarrier. Uh, yeah, but that's true. But but he actually hates the Helicarrier. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an exaggerated thing like you and Cheese. Uh, yeah, that's fair. What do you um, mean? He hates Cheese. No, I don't. Have you guys heard that water is wet? fight you uh yeah i like it i i feel like it was setting up some interesting stuff at the start and then it just ended up being different interesting stuff i I don't even know i'm trying to think of the right way to put it because like okay seems like at the start it's going to set up okay this is moon knight and these are his personalities and this is the the adventure he's going to go on but then we kind of stepped back to kind of explore the the personalities and have oscar isaac do that and that's not bad because Oscar Isaac was great at it, but also felt like a, I don't know. Like I understand honestly, what you're saying. You're like, saying the show me. didn't have a consistent theme. One you episode was about action. One episode was about exploring the asylum and his different personalities. And they were all kind of about something different. That's not yeah. what I was trying to say, but it's what I should have been trying to say. Oh, okay. you're right. that's, that's, I think. Count it. Well, I would. And I'll, I'll say, you. I'll I would say, have, I kind of said. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I'll also say that part. What's also interesting. I'm so used to talking about these episodes with you guys. And I haven't. And, and a little bit of behind the scenes. Not only have I not been talking to you about the podcast. We haven't been talking about it offline either. Because, because of my schedule, I've usually been watching on like Tuesday. So I've been avoiding conversation because spoilers. So I, I you went not... the whole most of those mm-hmm. weeks without watching. The... How did you get away with that working where you work? That's another thing. No one at work is talking about it. No one at work is talking about the show. Yeah. Huh. Um, but whereas I was listening to one of our WandaVision episodes earlier mm-hmm. today, because I've been mm-hmm. listening back. To, I've never listened back to the podcast, but I have been because I've been rewatching WandaVision. Yeah, those guys and suck. You talked about how you had to close the yes. office door and go out and yell at people because they were yes. talking about it and the yes. show had just come out like that morning. Yes. Yep. Um, that was a thing. Um, Robbie, uh, I, can you uh, put your, like, just get closer to your mic. You're a little quiet. Yeah. Sorry. I drifted away from it. That's my fault. Um, yeah. That was a He's thing. A drifter. Um, this is not one. In fact, I'll tell you what people are talking about is people are talking about Obi-Wan and it's not even out yet. So. Um, Oh, yeah. Where do you that, work? I mean, that makes that, sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've been able to avoid it. Also, um, Natalie Holt. Uh, yes. I'm so my excited. wife. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I haven't been able to, I guess, sort of decompress each episode the way I normally would. So insights like you just had about, you know, inconsistent theme are sort of the thing that I think we probably would have arrived at through conversation that I haven't had that conversation. So it's been kind of trying to put a finger on Again, it's not so much what I dislike about it. It's just why it feels off to me. Like, I can't, I actually can't put my finger on how I feel about it. It's interesting you say that. And I, I'm so glad you're back so that I can disagree with you already. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so interesting because I think the exact opposite, like, I do think that they, in, uh, I do think that it's thematically consistent throughout. I think, yes, each episode has genre wise almost. Uh, is like a different like there's like more of a like a detective episode and there's more of an action episode but i think thematically the themes of the of the show the core theme of the show is has been the same the same throughout i think it has always been about 
you know, self-care and self-love and, and, and sort of the damage of, of what has happened in, in Mark's past and being able to sort of um, make amends with yourself and accept yourself. Um, one, one could even argue that each episode being so different from the others is in keeping with the whole theme uh, with right. Mark I, and yeah. Stephen's identities. I almost think that if you go back agree. and you watch this again, you'll 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 feel you'll feel something else that you didn't your first time because I think That's that they're doing something really interesting. And I also think that it was almost intentional on their part. It was almost a red herring to almost start the show off a little bit more marvelly and then turn into something different i think that episode episode the end of episode three four is it the end of episode four that's the big shock yes yes Mm -hmm. that's when the show really switches and you 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 could feel the strings pulling in a different direction and i i think it is intentional i honestly think that the superheroing of the show is maybe my least enjoyed part of the show i think the show is strongest when it is focusing on the strong relationships of its characters even the fantastical uh egyptian gods and whatnot but but that character study i think is what the the what is the 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 linchpin of the show so i I absolutely want to agree with one thing you said which is that, that the superheroing is not necessarily as interesting and that's because I think you're right on that. I think they probably are focusing on the right thing with Oscar Isaac's portrayal of alter egos. And, and because when you get down to it, Moon Knight, this Moon Knight in, in this is not necessarily interesting compared to the other superheroes. You know, the guy in the costume and his superpowers is not really necessarily interesting other than the Egyptian thematics compared to superheroes we've already seen plenty of. And so your angle probably is smart to focus on you know the person behind the persons behind the mask. So I think that's a good point. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll come around and change my mind. Yeah, I I feel like for some people, and maybe this would be better for you. I think they maybe could have leaned into it even more. I would have loved to see really stark, different episodes. I would have loved to see mm-hmm. a very wacky, zany Stephen episode, and then a very militaristic mark episode and then a very like street level jacob like i think maybe they could have gone even further like that comic like the like comic maybe absolutely jake, yeah like maybe jake could have been seen before the end credit scene and the finale maybe I mean, yes i'm sure that oh, we'll, all of we'll us knew, knew jake was going on maybe <laughs> uh, maybe jake was a bit of a watch maybe mm-hmm. uh but i think jake's There's watch actually serves a purpose and i think the end of hawkeye served literally nothing for anyone uh, <laughs> yeah i don't think it did anything for them. i think the end of also I, we're gonna talk about it now because i want to they made jake mm-hmm. uh hispanic he's just spanish he was just talking speaking spanish up there yeah yeah it's very like, interesting like, what is going on this we is did lit. not call that accent i did yeah. not call that. well like that eight. leans that leans into what y'all were talking about last week um that arnaldo brought up that they were embracing the fact that moon knight in this universe is Latino. Right. You know, I thought that was cool that he, uh, he was kind of like that, like swab. They got that costume like dead on. Bro. Dude. It's he so looks, good. It he is looks so just good. like the comics with that, the beret and everything. And then like the, the Spanish at the end, that was really cool. Well, let's get into it today. We're going to be talking about episode six, the season finale of moon Knight, titled gods and monsters. 
It's directed by Justin Benson, Mohamed Diab, and Aaron Moorhead. And it is written by Jeremy Slater, Danielle Iman, and Doug Moich. We're going to be doing something a little different for this episode. We're going to be following along with Marvel.com's very own synopsis. It's written by Christine Din. If if you'd like to follow along as well, just go to Marvel.com, look up the Moon Knight Episode 6 synopsis, and follow along with me as I I, uh, kind of go through this, and we'll uh, treat it like any other episode. So picking up mere moments following the events of Episode 4, The Tomb, and Alexander the Great's burial chamber, Arthur Harrow and his disciples surround Mark Spector's lifeless body retrieving Amit's Ushabti from his pockets. Paying final respect, Harrow places the golden scarab on his bullet-ridden chest and apologizes. I'm sorry it had to be this way, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, whoever might be in there. Sometimes we need the cold light of death before we can see reality. Uh, What a weird phrase. <laughs> I mean, and like, cold light of death. I love how weird... Um, Ethan Hawke was throughout this whole performance, like yeah. this whole mm-hmm. series. He was mm-hmm. so weird. He was just weird, a hundred percent. I thought it was so cool. You know who it reminded me of? And this is going to be so out of whack. I recently watched a Tony Hawk documentary, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard Rodney Mullen talk. He talks like Ethan Hawke in this. He talks in weird, like philosophical phrases, and it's so trippy and out there. I promise you. This is basically just Rodney Mullen. Hmm. I feel like I end up on the corner of TikTok that has those people a lot too. And it weirds me out. And I don't know why I end up there. But but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. We've talked a lot about how Oscar Isaac has created different personas different and different characters. But Ethan Hawke did that as well throughout the series, playing the real world Harrow. And then the Dr. Harrow who, depending upon when we saw him, was sometimes behaving a little bit differently as well. Yeah. So, also, it's, it's great kind performances of, from both of them. It's kind of wild to me that, like, in this, you know, as much as we like it, relatively undersung MCU property is the one where we got the acting chops of Ethan Hawke to play the villain. Like, And yeah. he, he did a great job with it, but it's like, that's not... And that makes more sense as the MCU has become more popular, getting, you know star power like that and not just star power because it's kind of like we talked about with robert redford it's not just that robert redford is a star and it's cool that we got robert redford robert redford is also someone who takes his you know the roles he accepts seriously you know wants some 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 value and prestige which so and ethan hawk is kind of the same way so i, I we, think we've talked about how he had first. said before that he was not he had no interest in ever doing a comic book thing he had been publicly like mm-hmm. oh, i'm never going to do one of these Marvel things, mm-hmm. and then Oscar Isaac pitched mm-hmm. the show to him, and he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." Is with that you. okay? Yeah, he That's, ran into him yeah. at a coffee shop, and he was like, "You should do Moon Knight with me." And he pitched the idea, and then he said, "Okay, him. that's awesome." Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely like a a. I would like more Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac MCU. Like that would make me happy. I agree. Well, you won't. You probably won't get one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Approaching his disciples with Ahmed Sushapti in hand. Harrow readies his congregation to heal the world as he lifts his double-headed crocodile cane, purple energy emanating from it. Examining Mark's body, Layla stifles her cries for her husband and embraces him one last time, pocketing the golden scarab and exiting the cave. Layla hides among the group of Harrow's disciples. At a heavily guarded police checkpoint, the vehicle of Harrow and his group are stopped. 
The Egyptian police department questioned Harrow's presence on this remote road. Stepping out of the first truck and refusing to show their papers, Harrow demands instead for the police to show him their souls. Very, uh, very Shang Tsung. Striking his scepter into the ground, purple energy emits from the chest of all the guards. All but one officer had their soul ripped out of their bodies. Harrow proclaims the officer is a good man and welcomes him among his group of disciples. As the disciples hurry to move the fallen bodies out of the way on the road, Layla quietly stalks behind, prepared to engage revenge on Harrow with a dagger. However, a voice from one of the dead bodies pleads with Layla to not do it. Dismissing it, Layla proceeds forward, communicating from another dead body closer to Layla. Tawaret introduces herself as an Egyptian deity and that it is Mark who is sending this message for her to stop. Tawaret cautions that Harrow is too powerful for Layla to stop him on her own. If Mark can return to life, he will need Khonshu. Tawaret tells Layla to break Khonshu's Ushabti, currently held in the Chamber of Gods. Tawaret states that Layla can be her avatar, as Mark has told her lovely things about her, which Layla aggressively rebukes. At the Chamber of the Gods, the avatars of each of the gods in the Ennead arrive in a panic, sensing a great disturbance. Yatsil, the avatar of Horus, asserts that someone is trying to release Ahmed onto the world. Selim, the avatar of Osiris, realizes it's Harrow. Yeah, you fucking Brussels sprout. Of course it's Harrow. Like, who do you think what it was? What a doorknob. I wonder if anyone tried to warn him about this like two days ago. Yeah. I wonder if like the weakest part of the show was that trial where nobody actually said anything to anybody and none of the people that are proclaimed as judge actually did a good job being a judge. I don't know, man. There's a lot of people that think they know how trials are supposed to work nowadays and I don't trust any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Maybe a little too <laughs> parallel to real life. I don't know. Speaking of places on TikTok, I end up on that I don't want to. <laughs> Harrow and his disciples breach the chamber as the Ennead's wall fall. Ennead's walls fall before them. In the chamber of the gods, Harrow welcomes his disciples to join him inside as Layla slips away from the main group. Noticing that the avatar is lining up to oppose him, Harrow states that they are merely judges, not warriors. Therefore, a battle doesn't need to happen. As Selim makes the fist, the, the fist move, the first move, excuse me, Harrow raises his scepter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> with the bodies of the Ennead's avatars strewn about, Harrow smashes the Ushabti with their most sacred space inside the chamber, releasing Amit. Harrow and his disciples kneel in the presence of the powerful deity. I have talked a lot of shit about the CGI in this show. Amit looked really cool. Uh, yeah, they they saved it for this episode. This <laughs> episode's CGI for some reason was just better. Part of it had to do because um, Moon Knight was in the night sky. Like when there, when you are, when you had the scene with, um, it was like, uh, Mark is on the ground. Uh, Arthur is standing over him, and in the like the night sky behind him, the battle between Amit and Kanshu was happening. I thought that looked so that was cool. really cool. Um, uh, Did you not like it? I don't. Um, I don't think I fully agree. Okay. I think you're right that Amit looked really good. Um, I think I was still just thrown off by how not good the Moon Knight costume looks. I think, I and we didn't see it in that many scenes. 
it, so I th- maybe that's I fine. think I got used to the Moon Knight costume, but you are correct. The worst CGI in the show is the <laughs> Moon Knight costume. Mm-hmm. That said, I do think that they used an actual costume more in this episode than they have in any other episode previously. Yeah. Right. Well, that's um, cool. And that helped. Well, so, and I'm going to be a different perspective because I haven't been participating. Uh, I saw everyone complaining about the CGI and it didn't bother me that much in this series. I definitely don't think it was good, but I just, it, it like didn't distract from the series at all for me, except for one shot of Moon Knight in this episode. But I thought I I'm with Eduardo. I thought the, the, um, the gods looked fantastic. Yeah. Although one of my questions is, so we do this, we, we have this, this showdown between Harrow and the other um, avatars and then it all just happens off screen. And I'm wondering if that was, you know, we'll save some CGI budget by just not, not having you see what happens. Oh, when he basically probably mercs them with a staff. Right. But right. And then, and it ends up being somewhat important because then one of them is alive long enough to talk to Layla. And it's kind of like, okay, how, what happened? How come this guy is actually still hanging on to life? What's, what's going on? I'm not, again, I'm not, saying it ruined it but it did kind of stand out to me like it felt like oh they did that on purpose and that purpose was about the creation of the show the budget of the show not the uh storytelling of the episode and it it, it kind of took me out of the narrative a little bit yeah well and i i think that there is a a an argument that you could make robbie that this was not a show about moon knight it is a show about the adventures of Mark and Steven, mm-hmm. who just <laughs> happened to be Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think because we don't, I think that they, I, I feel like this show has had a case of the budget all went somewhere that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was to the licensed it to music. It went to Ethan Hawke and it <laughs> went to uh, Oscar Isaac. That's where the whole budget went. And I felt like that for most of the show. Like they, they, they had a budget and they spent it on a few things and they did right. what they could with the rest. And for the record, worth it. Yeah. But I agree with where they decided to allot the budget. Absolutely. Um, it just, it does have some times that it kind of takes me out. And, and this episode had a couple of them um, where it's just like, ah, okay, I can see. I know why they did that. Cause they weren't going to spend on this scene. It's, I wouldn't be shocked I, if this also maybe had a bit of a lower budget than some of the other shows, because this is the first Marvel Disney Plus show that is about all new characters. Right. All the rest, you know, at least had one mm-hmm. or two Avengers or someone. Well, that, that makes me feel like they don't to. have faith in themselves. Like, why don't they think that their thing is going to do well? And I, also, this goes, I mean, it's not like they don't have the money. Like, yeah, right? Here's like, the thing is, my, my assumption is I'm sure Feige would, lo- would have loved to spend money on it because I think he's a big uh, Moon Knight fan. Yeah. Peaches, you know exactly how entertainment executives work. You know exactly. I do. You know exactly how it's, and there are probably some, probably some entertainment companies that wouldn't even take this much of a risk. But mm-hmm. yes, this is a a not to us, but to many other people, a C tier Marvel superhero. Um, to the masses. I think that's fair to call him a yeah. C tier, maybe yeah. B tier on a good day. Hey, you um, know who used to be a C tier, maybe B tier uh, 20 years ago? Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Iron Man was B tier. I definitely think Iron Man was a tier above Moon Knight. But, but. Sure, definitely. I, yeah. I, I, I guess my point is my point is not that they shouldn't have taken a risk on Moon Knight. 
my point is I understand how executives think in terms of we're going to we're going to tamper our we, risk on Moon Knight. We, it's Moon Knight. It's We <laughs> made two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Which yeah, is but why the first one made a that, ton of money. We made an Eternals movie. Like what? And <laughs> and the CGI in Eternals is way better. Again, um, a movie budget is it, you know everything's a lot of differently than it is in yes. TV too. I also, mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes yes stuff about how stuff is produced that. Right. And Guardians um, to me will Guardians one to me will always be one of the most shocking thumbs up decisions in like the history of of big studio production to me. Like the fact that they actually put that much into Guardians of the Galaxy is actually, I, I'm happy about it, but it is shocking. That's not usually the sort of risk that studios will take. Well, it I got us I've, a cool ride, so. You don't know I that know yet. I've, okay, you do. <laughs> I won't for a few weeks. Um, I, I, I brought this up before, but talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, I always think of that um, that article that was in The Motley Fool, which is a, a financial magazine for people who are interested in investing their money. And the headline, and this is a month or two before Guardians comes out, it's Guardians of the Galaxy will be Marvel's first flop or their first failure. Mm-hmm. And it is Iron Man lit. 2 happened. It is, no, it's no, but Iron Man 2 made a bunch of money. I know. Yeah. The, I know. Yeah. They were saying that it was going to be the first one not to make money because nobody knows or cares who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. This is ridiculous. I don't know how they thought that was going to be the case, but it certainly was seen at the time as Marvel's biggest risk so far, certainly since the Avengers. But it's funny to go back and read. And I guess I guess I just don't understand at this point, and maybe I'm biased because I am a fan and I host I co-host a podcast, but I just feel like there's nothing that Marvel could if Marvel put their name on anything I would at least go see it and they haven't disappointed me enough with anything yet to make me stop going to see their thing you know what I mean like like I didn't love Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't stop me from watching Loki didn't stop me from watching the next thing it's not going to stop me from watching Captain America 4 <laughs> right like no. it nothing None of that's going to stop me. And I maybe I maybe we're the minority, but I don't feel like that's the case because every new big movie has more and more and more profit. To be clear, I do not necessarily think that your opinion is. In fact, I think that your opinion is the majority. I but I don't think I still think that that is not how entertainment executives think, partly because they are also probably not really fans. Um, and, and I need to be a little bit careful, but I am somewhat privy to what entertainment executives think. Um, he has a variety are, subscription. <laughs> yes. They're always going to be cautious. Um, I mean, do you remember how the conventional wisdom was that women don't like superheroes and they would and because Catwoman was a failure. Right. No one would touch female superheroes for years. And then Wonder Woman came out and everyone loved it and it made a ton of money. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. We're not that huh. far removed from Black Widow being a wildly popular character portrayed by a wildly popular actress and not getting her own film. Um, and I think that the fact that her own film was not the best MCU film is a, is a disconnected hindsight part of that question. That doesn't lead into the argument of why it took so long. It has to do with just falling back on conventional wisdom a lot. And I don't think they... And, and to be clear... 
I do think they took a risk on Moon Knight. I, I think they didn't take as much of a risk as they could have because I think they are seeing Marvel properties as riskier than we do. Um, so that's not to say you're wrong. That is me just trying to explain I'm not surprised, if that makes sense. What what I will say, um, financially, you know, if, if we're if we're speculating about budgets, mm-hmm. it might be because they didn't they weren't sure how it was going to play out. That being said, I think what was great was that they gave the creative team a lot of freedom. It sure seems like to make the show they wanted to make. So they yes. yeah, you know what? I, what you can say, you know, say what you will about the budget. But mm-hmm. I do think that more and more we are seeing that Feige and the rest of the Marvel Studios team, at least, have faith in their creators and want their creators to come in and make their own things. You know, that's a really, really good point. And part of that good point was you talked about speculation. We're speculating it was budget. It may not have been budget. It may have been a bad in-house CGI team and a director that didn't care. Um, like it's entirely possible that that's just. What I feel kind of bad now. I don't. <laughs> well, here's you another thing: bad. the production schedule of a television series is different mm-hmm. than the production schedule of a movie, mm-hmm. so there might not be as much time for the post production. Mm-hmm. So, so it might not even be a budget thing. It might just be you know this is the amount of time and resources we can allocate mm-hmm. given our schedule, producing we... a weekly series. Funny thing to me oh. is I don't even think it was that bad, but. <laughs> Are we the problem? Are... are we expecting too much? I'm sure these people worked really hard. I, yeah. I just I I'm... looked at y'all's ratings. You gave this a perfectly good rating, so clearly it didn't impact. It you. didn't. Yeah. Like it, the, the CGI wasn't great. I yeah. didn't care. Yeah. And I think I, what I will say is I think Marvel is treating, and this is at least from what it seems like after now that we have a few Disney Plus shows, I think Marvel is still treating its motion pictures like the big, large tent house productions that they have always been but now this added disney plus are where they can send a little money here to go do your own thing send a little money here so you can go do your own thing they still have a few of those big things like falcon and the winter soldier which was meant to be sort of a a large seminal moment but things like wandavision like loki like what if like hawkeye and like honestly everything that isn't falcon and the winter soldier Mm -hmm. was someone doing something different with what they were given and I, I think everything's been a little bit weirder. Yeah. I would I, rather have slow if I have to choose. If if I didn't have to choose, I would have everyone have the bu- most budget they want and let them do whatever they want. But if I have to choose, I would rather people have slightly lower budgets and be able to do whatever mm-hmm. they want. And yes. just do whatever fun weird thing you can do. And my suspicion is they see the Disney Plus content as largely a create a variety of variety of quality. So not just quality, but a variety of quality to keep people subscribing to the service also use it to help expand the MCU brand, use it to help hook in. And you're not going to hook in people by doing the same thing, because if you're going to hook them into the same thing, they're probably already fans. You're going to start hooking in a handful, like, like we mentioned, my parents becoming MCU fans, moderate MCU fans because of WandaVision, hooking them Mm -hmm. in because of WandaVision's um, presentation. As we do, as I, I suspect they look at, let's have each of these Disney plus shows, try and get a different demographic, a different interest set, to care about the MCU because you're probably going to be able to do that a little bit more easily than you can from the tentpole films, like Eduardo said. So I, I mean, our next show is Miss Marvel. That's going to be so different from this show, and that's a whole demographic that has you know teenage girls. That's I mean, teenage girls are into yes. the MCU, obviously, mm-hmm. but haven't been featured in the MCU. Right. Certainly not as the superhero, right? Mm-hmm. 
and, I, and I'm not trying to be so cynical as to say that that the Disney Plus shows are literally just about expanding the brand. They obviously want to reward their creators. But at the end of the day, the people who make the financial decisions are just looking at how can we increase the return on our investments. And that's it's kind of killing two birds with one stone of we're going to get in more fans, but while we're doing it, let's give some creatives the ability to flex their creative muscles. And I think we all agree that there's really only been kind of one example where that hasn't worked so far in these shows. So, And it's the one that was most affected by a pandemic and other issues. Right. So it's not, know. it's not completely its fault. Yeah. Still makes me sad. In her daunting and glorious presence, Amit asks to whom she owes her gratitude. Luke, looking, I've got Loki on the brain. Looking at her intense <laughs> crocodilian eyes while still kneeling in reverence, Harrow explains he's merely a humble disciple and the goddess owes him nothing. Amit states his scales lack balance as Harrow lowers his hand, processing her judgment. Remorseful, Harrow acknowledges their status, hoping that his penance would correct any imbalance. He accepts the scales, regardless of the outcome. Elaborating, Amit admits they lack balance because of what lies ahead for Harrow. Bracing for death, Harrow closes his eyes and willingly submits his life in order to spare the world of all the pain he will cause. Um, I, I will say real quick, maybe you're going to Are you going to say something? No. Was Chris going to say something? Did I just interrupt him? Nope. Okay. I think that they really stuck Ethan Hawke's character. Like they kept him sticking to his guns really well. I liked that he kept like he was definitely a bad guy, right? They were not hiding that from the very beginning, uh, especially in the second episode where they did the whole killing babies thing. But even to the very end, when he finally met Amit, like in the crocodile flesh uh, <laughs> in the scales, um, he was still true to that. He wasn't like, all right, I summoned you. Now give me all the power. He was like, well, I messed up. You need to kill me. He was a and true I, believer. I uh, forgot yeah. how much I liked that until you said it. Completely forgot how much yeah. I liked that moment that it's it avoided cliche in a way that really mm -hmm. is not hard to avoid, but we don't. Well, and Robbie, I don't mm -hmm. know how much you've listened to the past episodes, but we talked about this, I think on the first or second episode, um, about how the Disney Plus shows have a secret villain problem because every single Disney Plus show has had a secret villain that is revealed towards the end of the se uh, the season. And this is the one show that said, here is your villain from episode one, and that was it. I was about to say you're wrong because Falcon and the Winter Soldier we knew, but then I forgot that we knew the power broker, but we weren't supposed to know the Correct. power broker. <laughs> uh -huh. That was supposed to be the big reveal is the power broker is actually someone stupid. Uh, and, <laughs> and so Sharon the power broker is a Rolex. For the record, side note, Sharon Carter was an important MCU character who we have now decided we dislike so much because of one show that we don't even remember her name. I... <laughs> love a good marvel reveal i love seeing post-credit scenes and being like oh my god look who it is i love that feeling mm -hmm. i feel like we are inundated with that feeling to the point where it doesn't feel special anymore when wilson fisk showed up at the end of hawkeye 
I felt nothing. One, because I knew it was going to be him the whole time. And two, because if he was going to be in the show, I would have rather him just be in the whole show. Exactly. I didn't get to be on that episode and I wanted to. And that's what I wanted to say back on that episode is I did feel something. I felt, oh my God, there he, you know, we're seeing Vincent Onofrio's Wilson Fisk again. I did love that. So I did feel something. But I also felt maybe we could have had this the whole show. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that when we all fun. figured out by episode two that oh my god it's going to be kingpin right. right what it had started to become to me is i started to think oh this is just a bait and switch they're mephistoing me i'm not mm-hmm. going to see the kingpin um <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> they're what what are they doing that you know, sounds painful it's you know they're they're putting something where i don't want it to be <laughs> i it, put it, that thing back where it came from or so help me so help me <laughs> There aren't so much Reed Richards in, or, or Mephisto in you as they were Reed Richards in you. Stop <laughs> saying <laughs> that phrase. <laughs> I, I just like, nothing makes me more uncomfortable than the idea of Mephisto and Reed Richards. Like, just thinking of those two things together is just. What about Mephisto and Reed Richards? <laughs> Dang. He's stretching. That's probably <laughs> easy. <laughs> I'm out. See you guys next time. <laughs> the I'm weird so thing is, Reed Richards, and obviously I'm talking, there's no double entendre here. I'm just talking about, you know, literature and writing. But Reed Richards could Mephisto himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amit elaborates funny. again <laughs> that what lies ahead uh, for Harrow is his service to her delaying his death. She once relied on a servant whose scales balanced perfectly, which ultimately led to her being bound in her stone prison for over 2,000 years. Still confused, Harrow offers his disciples, all with balanced scales, who would never betray her and are waiting her command. They are worthy of her service. He is not. Ahmed proclaims he is the ideal avatar she needs, as it was Harrow who set her free. Placing her hand on Harrow's head, seeing the scars he's endured, the goddess tells him to not let the pain of his past control him, referring to his previous servitude to Khonshu. Her power spreads within him as his eyes glow with Amit's purple energy. Within the recesses of the Chamber of the Gods, Layla discovers the gallery where the Ushaptis of several gods lie. Seeking the one that belongs to Khonshu, Layla grabs it and runs off. Smashing the Ushabti, Layla releases Khonshu. Standing before Layla, Khonshu remarks that he no longer senses Mark Spector in this world, realizing he died fighting. Layla harshly corrects him that Mark died fighting his war. Khonshu proclaims the war is far from over, and if Mark is truly gone, will she, Layla, be his avatar and protect the travelers of the light? The night, excuse me. Incredulous, Layla reminds Khonshu that he was the one who turned Mark's life into a waking nightmare. Why would she ever sign up to be his avatar? Khonshu states that she cannot win alone against Harrow and Amit. Rebuking him, Leia would rather take her chances. Khonshu reveals that Mark was in crisis over her, and it was his lack of focus that got him killed. To defeat Amit, they have to rebind the deity, but only an avatar can do that. Addressing her loyal followers, Amit tells the group that they will purify the souls of the world, beginning with Cairo. Heading to the exit, they are blocked by Conchu's presence. 
Arrow orders one of his disciples to search for who released him as the god of the moon tells Amit he cannot allow her to proceed with her plan. Amit tells Kanchu her plan is set, same as anyone's. She's here to bring balance, which Kanchu dismisses if she selects a sinner like Arthur Harrow to be her avatar. Amit is amused at Kanchu's jealousy of Harrow's loyalty to her. Kanchu demands Amit see that the loyalty means nothing if she and her disciples inherit an empty world. At the Field of Reeds, Mark Spector takes in the peace and beauty as Tawaret assures him that his scales are balanced, his heart finally full, his journey is over. Here, he is free from all pain, loneliness, and hurt. But Mark can only think about Stephen. Unfortunately, he's gone as the Duat now has him. Viewing it unfair, Mark demands they go back for Stephen. However, if he leaves the Field of Reeds, he will never be able to return. Tawadit tells him that he doesn't even need Stephen anymore, which further upsets Mark. Why should he go on to an eternal place while Stephen remains lost in the sand forever? Mark turns back to search for Stephen as the field of reeds disappears. Aww. I think I really enjoy the journey Mark and Stephen went on throughout this whole series. This whole series has really been about the two of them and being able to sort of coexist with each other. Uh, and so it was really nice to see Mark kind of open up and, you know, be a little bit of a softie. Back in the sands of the Duat, Mark sees Stevens frozen in sand body and heads towards him. Emotional, Mark speaks to Stephen, acknowledging their dire circumstance. Opening his heart, he tells Stephen that it was his rival that saved him for enduring his bleak childhood. He only survived because he knew he wasn't alone. He apologizes for failing to protect Stephen's hope and life. As Mark begins to turn to sand, he proclaims that he couldn't have abandoned him and gone to the field of reeds without him. Placing his full heart in Stephen's hand, Mark remarks that Stephen was the real superpower that he ever possessed. As both altars are frozen in sand, the gates of Osiris open behind them. With the light beyond gates shining upon them, Mark and Stephen are no longer frozen in sand. They embrace as the gates are opening. With the sand of Duat approaching them in a tsunami fashion, Mark and Stephen help each other race towards the open gates as Duet uses her boat to slow the sands. I think this is sort of the emotional crux of the show. And I also think it is hilarious that I'm going to get to say this on the podcast now, but my wife Bailey uh, was confused because she thought that the whole like Stephen Mark thing was his superpower. And she was confused why Stephen was still there after he lost his country powers. Oh, <laughs> she's like, I com oh, no. completely misread the show. I did not realize mm -hmm. he had a mental illness. <laughs> I thought that was just his superpower. <laughs> I mean, he does later say, Stephen, you are my superpower. To be fair, to be fair to her, I, I wonder if that's the take of someone, if that's a more common take from someone that doesn't know the character at all prior to watching the the show. I mean, that's a good point. I, and I don't think her, I don't think it isn't, I think her opinion is valid. I don't, it's not an opinion, but I think, I think her thought process is valid. Mm -hmm. I think it's valid mm -hmm. for her not to realize that, and maybe it's the fault of the show. We, I don't want to say take for granted, but I, well, I'll, that's the wording that I'm going to use, take for granted how much comic book knowledge that we have before going into some of these shows. 
yeah. You know, Jake Lockley means nothing to a lot of people who watch this show. So at the very end, where they're like, this is my pal Jake Lockley, lots of people were like, oh, it's Oscar Isaac <laughs> again. He must have another personality. <laughs> like, that's weird. It doesn't, like, mean the same thing to them. Amit reflects on how Kanchu, for a god, is low on faith. The two gods charge one another within the chamber of the gods in a vicious battle. The goddess takes her time, enjoying her torment over Kanchu. Amit encourages him to beg her to spare him, but he firmly states he'd rather have obliteration than mercy. God, these... Look, I appreciate the work we've all done, but this summary kicks ass. As Mark and Stephen cross through Osiris's gates, they reawaken in Alexander the Great's burial chamber, back in their old body. Sensing Mark is back in the land of the living, Kanchu transports himself to his former avatar before Amit can strike a savage blow. Mark struggles as he's still fatally wounded by the bullets in his chest. As crucial events replay on his mind, Kanchu asks Mark once more if he chooses life or death at the cost of servitude to his master. Suddenly, Mark's body forces the two bullets out of his chest. Regaining Kanchu's protection, Mark's body is enveloped by the healing, ceremonial Moon Knight armor. Meeting Kanchu outside of the dig site, Mark approaches his master. Kanchu jokingly remarks that he knew Mark missed him, to which Mark questions if Layla turned him down. Now serious, Kanchu tells Mark he needs his help to defeat Amit. Now, switching seamlessly between their identities... Stephen, as Mr. Knight, appears asking to redefine their working agreement. Flabbergasted, Kanchu is appalled that Stephen would negotiate now in the middle of the direst circumstance with so much at stake. Exasperated, Kanchu states he will release them both. They have his word. This is, we, we get a really cool scene here. I don't know how you guys felt about this. How do you feel about like fighter jet Moon Knight flying through the sky? Because I thought it was really cool, but I could see the line of being really cool and kind of dumb be very close. It was cool. It was cool. It was the one spot in the whole show where the CGI was like, uh, to me. Um, but I guess my main one is I, I am less versed in Moon Knight than the rest of you. So honestly, especially from Peaches, this is probably a good thing to, to maybe talk about. But any Moon Knight I've read, he didn't have superpowers. At least I, I didn't think so. And also, and I had kind of accepted he had some powers in this, but I wasn't prepared for him to just fly across Egypt. So, no, I, he, but I still thought it was cool. That I still thought it was cool. I was just like, oh, okay. He either doesn't now. have powers, or or he just has jump. like, and or he has enhancements because of Kanshu. But flying is not an enhancement. <laughs> my my reading of it is that this was not flying. It was fast traveling with Conchu. Oh yeah, fast traveling with Conchu's aid. He opened he the map, and he he opened is... the map of Egypt, and he found the tomb, and he clicked A over right. it. Do and you want to fast tempted, travel? And you get a cutscene. Fast of... travel. That means the map was really designed. <laughs> Uh, I also, y'all just talked straight over my excellent Oscar Isaac. They fly now joke and oh, oh no, I'm not. I'm sorry. Listen, we listen. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Robbie. No, I'm fine. I don't, I don't know. I it's still a joke. <laughs> I feel like Marvel most of the time does a good job at this point of 
not doing anything super overly cheesy unless they're making fun of it. Like I immediately thought of Yelena making fun of Natasha for doing the superhero pose thing. And that scene and the one where Layla is in the armor and then she just like whips out the wings with the blades attached both felt really extra layered cheesy to me. Well, I think it's because they don't. I think they were both really cool scenes that don't fit in the Moon Knight show we have been presented. In the show, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, like I think they fit in the greater MCU. Like I think it is, it's very MCU-y, if that's a word. But but that is not, Moon Knight is not MCU-y, right? It, It is intentionally different. It's intentionally its own weird thing. So when you have these scenes like him flying into the sky, cape looking like Spawn, and, uh, Layla taking her wings out, looking all Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little weird because it's not what we have been presented for the past five and a half episodes. I appreciate you making the Wonder Woman eighty four connection there because that was what I was thinking when I first saw the armor. Yeah, too. yeah. In the main chamber, Layla discovers a gravely injured Salim dragging himself towards a hiding spot, lifting him to safety in a hidden corridor. Layla reveals she was the one who released Khonshu. Layla asks the Avatar how they can stop Amit. With his last few breaths, Salim reveals that this chamber is their most powerful place, and within these walls, they need to imprison Amit in a mortal form so she will be vulnerable. However, to do it, they need more Avatars than what they have left. With that, Salim succumbs to his injuries. Without other options, Layla calls out to Tawedit. Speaking through Salim's body, Tawedit screams out her excitement. The disturbance signals to Harrow and his disciples of Layla's presence and location. As Layla runs in search of safety, avoiding falling chunks of stone, Harrow uses his scepter to destroy the chamber of the gods. Without any bodies present, Tawedit speaks to Layla while momentarily taking control of her body. Delighted that Layla has had a change of heart, she is beyond thrilled to take Layla on as her temporary avatar, revealing that Layla's father will be over the moon once he hears. Over the moon. Surpri- Surprising Layla, Tawedit shares that she met him when she accompanied him to the Field of Reeds. Outside of the Chamber of the Gods, at the peak of the pyramid and overlooking Cairo, Harrow lifts his scepter as he recites an incantation. With purple lightning erupting in the sky, Harrow calls upon his disciples across the city. With their eyes glowing purple, they notice their tattoos of the scales glow as well. With Amit's power funneled through them, her disciples begin judging people, in mass, ripping souls from their bodies. Amit grows in power as she swallows each new soul. Hell yeah. <laughs> I My only problem with Amit, with her design in this, is... And obviously they have not been totally faithful to the Egyptian designs because Khonshu doesn't look like that either. But the Amit in mythology is part crocodile, part lion, part hippo. And I really would have liked to have seen that, but they just kind of made her more of a traditional deity where you just kind of have the head of the crocodile. She still looked really cool, though, and I like how her hair also kind of acted as a crocodile tail. I thought that was pretty a pretty neat design choice. Within the chamber, Layla emerges among the rubble, 
now as the avatar of Taurin. Layla stands before us as the scarlet scarab in ceremonial armor, complete with wings. As Harrow continues his incantation, out of the corner of his eye, he spots a flash of white light shooting towards him. Realizing it's Moon Knight, he charges at his rival. Oh, that was so battle. weird. I'm sorry. That was so, that reminded me of like a the start of an anime fight. Hell, where yeah. they like and that's why I like they the like so dove at each other at the side of a pyramid, and the camera turned so that it was more horizontal for a second, and then there's that big like punch or kick or whatever Moon Knight did. I felt so anime. Like I almost thought the Demon Slayer intro was gonna start playing. Oh yeah, dude. I liked it. I'm in dude, dude. Like, for exactly that reason. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that's why. I, yeah, I thought it but was that sure part felt re-edited as an anime opening within a week. Oh yeah, you could put um, uh, "Dear Maria, Count Me In" over yeah. that, and <laughs> it would be like the anime intro. Yeah, I, I am not an anime stan, but I'm fine having anime fight more anime fights in MCU. Mm-hmm. I just that that you said earlier that the scene with uh, with Moon Knight flying into the air like a jet was the most uh, awkward CGI. I thought that was the most awkward mm. CGI. That's fair. Their power battle carries out in the sky with Moon Knight and Mr. Knight switching seamlessly among each other, preventing Harrow's hold. Just as Amit and Kanchu mirror the fight in their own battle on a colossal scale. Amit sees no difference in their cause. Why must they do this dance for the rest of time? Kanchu only punishes the, the who, those who commit evil, as does Amit but she doesn't allow them the satisfaction of completing their evil. Once more, Amit asks Kanchu to join alongside her. Kanchu fights back as it's his choice, the very thing that Amit removes from others. Harrow and Moon Knight slash Mr. Knight land in the middle of a heavily populated area. Before Harrow can blast him with a scepter, Scarlet Scarab flies into the area, knocking Harrow out of the way. Wait, is that the, the synopsis said Scarlet Scarab? Okay. Yes. I, I, I left this episode thinking, was she supposed to be Scarlet Scarab? And wondering, and I was going to bring that up, and then I saw Chris brought it up too. But I was yeah. wondering if I was just jumping the conclusions or not. But if it's right there in the Marvel synopsis, then... They also had an article on Marvel.com interviewing her about it. So, so we then get what I think is the coolest action scene in the whole show. And it is uh, Moon Knight basically switching between Moon Knight and Mr. Knight and sort of fighting a bunch of the goons trying to get to to Harrow again. And it is so cool. And uh, it's cool to see Mr. Knight use the, the sticks. And it's cool to kind of just see the whole fight. It's just, it's so cool, man. And because they go between the Mr. Knight suit and the regular Moon Knight suit, it makes me like it just magnifies how much I like the Mr. Knight suit and how much I don't love the CGI Moon Knight suit. If the CG- if the Moon Knight suit was practical, I would have loved it so much more, but it made it really easy to tell, oh, this is a CGI suit. Oh, this is practical. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And it's like again like we kind of talked about, I think they focused on the right thing by focusing on Mark uh, and Steven. But also, it made me wish we saw more of this, too. 
I guess what what I really wish is I guess I wish this was more than six episodes. I, that's probably really what this boils down to is I wish this was more than six episodes. Now that I'm talking about this out loud, that's probably the actual answer mm-hmm. is this was not enough to handle the content that was in here. Um, and also, why I always feel that way, though. I, Don't you always feel that way? I, not, fe- I feel I feel like I always feel that way. I felt like I felt like Loki handled itself. Now, yes, I want more Loki, but it's not like I wanted. It's not like I felt like the season was too short to handle what it was trying to do. Um, and also I knew there's going to be more Loki. Um, this one felt like it was more content than six episodes could handle. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of did that too. It's just I didn't like the content, so I didn't care. But also... Falcon and the Winter Soldier's problem was that six episodes was the right amount of time if they had divided up their story correctly, and yes. they did not. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I forgot that was an editing problem. Um, trying to think of, am I missing a eh, Hawkeye? I'll, yeah. Also, I thought Hawkeye was fine for its length. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess WandaVision and Loki, I want more, but it's not that I feel like the it was rushed or and rushed is probably the wrong word, but there wasn't enough time for all the things that I wanted them to handle over the course of the season. And in this case, I think um, that's what happened. Also, while we're at it. Scarlet Scarab was incredibly badass. What we're talking about, how cool this fight scene was. Like, I, I thought she was real, real cool, and I want to see more of it. My, I was watching this, and Bailey said, it's a good thing Falcon's Captain America now, because she's way cooler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Well, and speaking of Layla and Scarlet Scarab, Scarlet Scarab deflects one of Harrow's blasts with her wings, sending the force back into him. Mark and Layla quickly embrace, both equally shocked to see the other. Steven suddenly switches with Mark, lavishing praise onto Layla. And Chris, we've talked about Scarlet Scarab a few times, but I think you wanted to go a little bit more in depth about the character and and, and the significance of the character because it, there was a breadcrumb there that none of us thought about yep. that was staring us right into the face the entire time yeah uh so scarlet scarab is not a character i was familiar with so that's not something i caught at all during this viewing but scarlet scarab is a character that dates back to the 70s in marvel comics and is actually a in universe as a world war ii era character uh who originally uh fought the invaders uh, the invaders being the team the world war ii team of captain america Namor the Submariner, uh, and the Human Torch, the Android Human Torch, not the uh, Fantastic Four Human Torch, and their respective child sidekicks. Um, So uh, Scarlet Scarab's real name was Professor Abdul Faul, and of course Layla's father is was Abdul Al Fouli, so a very similar name there that I didn't even think to look it up to see if maybe there's some kind of connection there because Layla, I believe is an original character, not from the comics at all. Right. Uh, yes. Based on, on, I forget her name, Melanie or whatever. Marlene. Marlene. Thank you. But Marlene's last name is all, all Rayoon. Okay. So it's not even the same last name. So, yeah, just to yeah. add to your point of it yeah. staring so, us in the face. So she's more of an original composite character, I guess you could say. Composite of the Scarlet Scarab and Marlene. Uh, has a lot of the same backstory as Marlene, but 
is Egyptian, which I think Marlene is not, right? No. Right. So so that anyway, so uh Abdul uh during the nineteen forties led a group called the Sons of the Scarab. Uh he was an Egyptian nationalist and he was seeking to end Britain's control of Egypt. Uh, they wore ancient Egyptian costumes, uh, and uh, they even allied themselves with the Axis forces to get Britain out of Egypt. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, but the, so they fought. Uh, they fought the invaders, and they enter. Namor and the Human Torch uh, enter a pyramid uh, where an artifact called the Ruby Scarab was located, and. Uh, Abdul became the Scarlet Scarab and used the power of this artifact. Uh, but then he saw that the Nazis were fighting the Egyptians, so he ended up assisting the invaders in the end. Yada, yada, yada. He didn't really do much in the uh, five appearances in Marvel Comics of Abdul Fawul. Uh, and when he died, he passed the knowledge of the Scarab on to his son, uh, Mehmet. Uh, I apologize if I pronounce that incorrectly. Uh, but he had a few more appearances. Okay, looks like he had two appearances, and uh, he also was a Scarlet Scarab, and he ended up assisting Thor in some story. Uh, to they, they found the stolen Eye of Horus. Uh, so yeah, so Scarlet Scarlet Scarab, not a uh, not a character with a super deep history. So I think it's a very cool reimagining of that character. To make Layla the Scarlet Scarab through the Avatar powers of Tawarit. And, uh, you know, the 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 line that she has where, you know, the girl's like, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she just says, I am. Little on the nose. I still loved it. <laughs> you know, I thought it was, that cool. was awesome. They did that really well. Like they mixed two characters to get her and they mixed two characters to get the villain, too. Because yeah, remember, yeah. he was the Arthur Harrow. The name is just that one one off villain who had the face thing mm-hmm. in one comic. So they used his name. And then, you know, this other thing that I might talk about later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they really had a lot of freedom <laughs> to deviate from the comics, I think, because Moon Knight, as we said earlier, not the most popular character in the world. And I don't know, I may not having read much Moon Knight. Does he really even have a very deep supporting cast? It's really mostly there's his French helicopter pilot, occasional girlfriends, and then mostly just the various versions of himself, right? Yeah, I don't think I I know any Moon Knight supporting cast. Frenchie. Literally, I don't think I know any. Frenchie, who wasn't in this, but was referenced. Uh, He has another fighter pilot friend. Um ray his name's ray um crawley crawley yeah bingo man i mean he has a lot of associates because he is like again that's one of the parallels to batman right Mm. so he has a lot of people that he kind of like works with on the side he has a butler and a maid too that help him out with stuff well i will say this you know people for a long time people was like oh moon knight is marvel's batman and watching this show i would not think that right no they think yeah no and that's something that that wasn't that was intentional. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a few interviews with um, Oscar Isaac and the director himself, Mohammed um, Diab, not their director, but the, the showrunner. Yeah. Excuse me, he did direct a few episodes though, um, and that was an intentional choice. They chose. They were like, we are not trying to make Marvel Batman. We are trying to make 
Moon Knight and an interesting mm-hmm. character from Moon Knight. So that that was it was a conscious choice. By and I think that's a part of choice. why I think that's part of part of why Marvel or Moon Knight has never been. I liked it as popular as other Avengers is because he's seen as Marvel Batman. And for Marvel too, why would they put that much into Marvel Batman just to get said, Hey, it's just Batman. So that made a lot of sense here too. I, okay. I find it into that. I find it interesting. A specific thing that happens at the very end of this episode though, because part of the reason that he didn't feel like Marvel's Batman is because in the other in the comic versions, a lot of them, Steven is the like the altar that has like the rich guy pro- movie producer, whatever he happens to be. But usually he's the rich guy personality. And Mark has a lot of money and he uses that money to buy ridiculous things like a jet shaped like a crescent moon and a limousine that has the um, license plate specter on it and that sort of thing. So it's interesting to me that they played this whole show until the post credit scene, not making him look at all like Marvel's Batman. And then the Jake altar is driving a Spectre limo that looks like it, it straight up came out of the comics as like one of his rich guy toys. Because Jake is a taxi cab driver, not a Spectre limousine driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least in the stuff I've read. I think my take on it is that that uh, it's like Conchu's money almost. Like it feels like yeah. moon money. Like, yeah. Well, because he had that 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 fly oh suit. Oh my on. god! Yes, Conchu. He looked, bro. He was dapper. Conchu can Halloween wear whatever costume. he wants, man. <laughs> Hell yeah! He can really pull it off, man. Good for him. Ready to show Layla his new set of skills, Mister Knight, armed with his truncheons. Runs towards Harrow, taking down every disciple along the path. As a team, Scarlet Scarab and Moon Knight charge at Harrow in a coordinated takedown. One of Harrow's blasts from his scepters hits a van full of Egyptian civilians. Scarlet Scarab flies over to save a young girl who could have been hurt had the van overturned on her. Moving all the civilians away from the van, the crowd cheers in awe with the pride for an Egyptian superhero who protects them. Peach, you want to talk about the truncheons? You're finally happy to see the truncheons that you now know are called tr- truncheons. Yeah, I don't even have that much to say about them. I was just so excited because we talked about last week, like we better see him using those damn sticks. And then <laughs> Steven's like, I'm excited to show you my new moves. And I'm over here like, I'm excited to see your new moves. What are you going <laughs> to do, Steven? And then he does like that whole fight scene. They're switching back and forth. And almost every time Steven's fighting, he has the sticks and he's doing something cool with them. At one point, he throws them. They get deflected. Then Mark catches them. And he they even did the thing that I wanted where Arthur, you know, shoots Mark with a blast. I don't remember if he shoots Mark or Steven, but whoever comes out uses the feature where you press the button and it turns into a whip. That like little grappling thing where he came out of that yeah. Hole in the wall he got blasted into that was the truncheon uh being like anchored into the wall and then he was pulling himself back to the battle with it and i was like that was jazzed. Really cool. i was jazzed to see that so i was just really excited that they used them i would have been really bummed if they introduced them in that second episode and then and then that was it you know if that was an easter egg i would have been upset hmm. so i'm glad that it wasn't 
my two favorite moves in this fight scene what was that one you just mentioned and the other one was when he's moon knight and he jumps over the car and he throws his little crescent batarangs out to the side mm-hmm. while he's jumping like lying down over the car like he's doing a backflip over the car for like no reason <laughs> and throws them off to the side and gets the goons that are on either side it's good really that they like use that. those two because i think you could make an argument that it's probably just hand to hand combat, but I think I think weapons wise, Moon Knight uses those things the most. He throws those a lot. He and he'll do that thing that you see in other movies where he'll like, well, in other movies, another I guess this is a weird niche thing to talk about. He'll it's a sharp thing and he'll throw it through like someone's hand and it gets stuck into the wall or the seat or the, like the floor or something. Oh, that is or, very much a movie thing. Yeah. yeah, or they'll throw it through their their boot and now their foot is stuck in the ground or something like that. Like uh-huh. Moon Knight uses those things a lot, probably more than the beat sticks or the truncheons mm. or whatever I should call them. But well, if if they go forward, well, I'm so excited. Hypothetical future appearances of Moon Knight and Mr. Knight seeing both these characters, these versions of this hero operating at like full capacity in full sync with each other and actually getting, you know, Oh, this is the kind of job for Mr. Knight. And this is the kind of thing Moon Knight should do. This is the kind of thing we should work together on and seeing, you know, now that Steven actually has some fighting skills, I think is going to be really cool seeing them develop different fighting styles, you know, you know, with Steven using the truncheons and, uh, and I agree with that. But I want to take that one step further, and I hope that they somehow get Steven into doing detective work so that his Mr. Knight is kind of like the suave, I'll help the police yes. solve this crime because they're terrible at Let's everything. Let's not go that far. What? Okay. No, well, or, I added sure. that they're terrible <laughs> at everything. That was <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would like to see Mr. Knight being more the detective type as well, because we've seen Stevens, I think, more intelligent than Mark, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, you know, or has a mind that is more, He's more knowledgeable. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him doing research and all this other stuff. You know, he seems like he's a, a pretty learned fellow. So oh, yeah. I think he'd be a good detective. So I would love to see that become more of their their thing. I- I feel like their nod to that was like just how quickly he solved the puzzles that they had in the show. Yeah. Like the star map and then the like um, Amit's tomb being the eye of Horus and whatever. Yeah. There was almost no puzzle solving time required. He was, oh, I know this one. Yeah, come on. I know this riddle. And it does feel like they're planting the seed for future stories for Mr. Knight to develop in that direction, which I think is cool. Be able to hold himself, you know, hold his own in a fight if need be. But, you know, if something's too, you know, too much of a puzzle for Moon Knight, then that's when Mr. Knight will take over. Mm -hmm. Unleashing his rage upon Mark, Harrow claims that young Randall's life would have been saved and Mark's family happy had Amit been allowed to rule and remove one weed from the garden. Mark. Mark is suddenly overwhelmed by Harrow's power, his crescent blades tossed, pitting Layla to the van as Harrow stalks towards him like a predator and his trapped prey. Layla, I'm sorry, laying on the ground, part of the Moon Knight armor blown to bits and mask retracted, Mark Spector is in pain. In the distance, above the night sky, Mark witnesses Amit bringing Khonshu to his knees, losing as well. 
with the scepter unleashing Abbott's power onto him and the odds grim, Mark's, Mark looks over and sees disciples unloading a fury of bullets onto a cornered Layla. Mark loses consciousness, then suddenly opens his eyes in a daze, discovering he's holding an unconscious and brutalized Harrow in one hand and a broken scepter to Harrow's head in the other. Surrounding them are the bodies of Harrow's disciples and massive destruction he cannot account for. Mark asks if this was Stephen's doing, to which Stephen replies, Not a chance, mate. <laughs> Confused, he drops him and looks over to see a mortified Layla. He can't explain what happened. He blacked out. Interrupted in the distance, Layla and Mark see Amit dragging a defeated Khonshu. Robbie, you had some, you've had some confusion. I think you talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. when we talked about the at the beginning. Yeah, of the someone episode. Just I think this, this is a a good representation of some of the confusion that you've had for the show. Yeah, I, and again, it's not. It's definitely not a dislike. It's almost like I have again broader theme. And and this episode, this being on here and discussing it is helping a little bit. But um, having a little bit of difficulty, like figuring out how I even feel about this, but also I'm just confused about just aspects of the world building of the show. Um, and also confused about some of the decisions that they made in the show. I, even after the things are over, I, and again, maybe that wouldn't have, wouldn't have been the case if we were talking about it every week um, or talking to anyone. Like, again, I wasn't talking to anyone about Moon Knight except for my wife, but I, I I'm confused on how the afterlife works. How did they, what caused them to just be able to decide, Oh, wait, wait, wait we can just come back to life now. Let's, let's go over here. Um, didn't they say it was Anubis? Was it Osiris? Osiris. Yeah, they was it? Osiris. Last okay, week I missed so, something. Okay. Yeah, I, last week they said that if the hearts were balanced, the gates of Osiris were the only way to get back to the world above. Okay. Right, and then and when um, to edit, she has the ship in this episode that she's using to help them block the sandstorm. She makes a remark of like, "Oh, Osiris, you big old softy." I heard that, and I didn't understand she, the line because okay. she's saying, "Osiris, you're you're just being nice, letting them come so, back." So, are there people who die? Are their hearts not balanced? Like, is that like? Oh no! If your heart is balanced, you get to go to the field of reeds. Okay. But if you need to, but if your heart is balanced and. I, and in this particular case, because they even said that this is like a big exception. Okay. You know, you can never go back, but if Charlie. your heart is balanced, we might be able to use the gates of Osiris. Okay. So if that's, he'll let us. That's good. Cool. I'm less confused. I'll, I'll add a point to my rating. Um, <laughs> I, to, be, to be perfectly fair, clear, I wasn't actually... My rating is not really because of these confusions. A, a little bit, but not really. Um, and... I we already talked about the avatar fight happening off screen but then that led to a little bit of other confusion like okay I know he probably did his you know his Amit powers to them but it didn't show us and then also one of them survived for a little bit after it and got to talk about how I'm not dead yet here's what you need to do with Layla and that was a little bit confusing but then then he also says we need he says we need many more avatars they get two um, so I guess they needed not many more. They needed that one part more. confused me too. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was a little I agree thrown off that. by that. Um, and then while we're on it about on-screen fights, I think it was not doesn't destroy the whole show, but I think it was not a good decision to have your showdown with your big bad happen entirely off-camera to pay off your end credit scene that's coming. Um, I know that we all knew that Jake is coming, and that's what's going on here. 
but I still think that it's a little bit cheap to just, okay, they're all in a bind and blackout. Okay. Binds over. Everyone's dead. And uh, Harrow's on the ground. We're good now. I didn't, didn't necessarily like that. Um, and again, I think it really could have, would have just been better if Jake wasn't paid off in the post credits. He was paid off even as in this episode, just earlier. Um, it, it felt more like the sort of thing you'll see as a mid mid season twist than a post credit finale that's explain that explains an off camera climax. Um, and I I just I don't know. It, it, this sounds like complaints, and it's not complaints. It's more like confused about the decision making and confused about the world building and the character ex- explanation. Um, and some of the conversation about it ha- kind of helps, but it it was just I don't know. I feel I, I've never been. I'm having trouble thinking of a piece of fictional media that I've walked out of being this like just lost on exactly why things happened or how I felt about it. Um, lost, but still liking it. <laughs> you know what? You so know, okay, I stopped that. watching Lost <laughs> in season three. So yes, yes, but but in that Wait, case, who's I worse, know- me or Robbie? Eduardo, you just made a face. <laughs> But in that case, right. I, I know that I was confused about Lost <laughs> because I didn't watch the payoffs. Like, I knew I did not complete Lost. In this case, I completed Moon Knight. So it's a little bit different. You 100 percented it. <laughs> Good for you. What a completionist. Here's, here, here's why I don't have a problem with the Flash scene. Mm-hmm. I do not think that the beating of Amit and that whole thing is the conflict of the show. Like, I think... It is, I almost consider it a side conflict of the show. I think the true conflict is the conflict happening within Mark. And I think that is the reason at the very end, the last scene we see is not the hero defeating the villain in the big battle, but it is instead Mark in the hospital talking to the villain in his own mind to, 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 the, to the conflict in his own head and i think that is why that is that is what is last because that's the true conflict that we have been seeing throughout the whole series so this is like one of those video games where the final boss is more like a victory lap to pay off the story and not the actual skill check for the end of the game you're talking about breath of the wild he's talking about uh shadow of war uh no shadow so actually i was not talking not talking about shadow of mordor because I think there are games that handle that well. Breath of the Wild being one of them. Um, God of War, I think, being another one. Um, yeah. And uh, also Super Metroid, I think. That's also the case. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Ridley Ridley's the is hardest. the final boss of Super Metroid. And everything from there on is closing out the story of the game on almost kind of a, an interactive victory map. Is it even um, possible was, to die in the mother brain fight? I mean, it I is, guess probably. It happened once. It is. Okay. It is. You have to have a certain amount of health when she does her super laser. But... Um, uh. So I, I feel died. like I almost died, but I also didn't. Right. You, you always, <laughs> so maybe I can't die. Right. I don't you know. You always almost die. She will always reduce you down to the end of your health. But yeah. Um, the baby. Anyway, and I'm being cheeky, but I actually like I think I think I maybe get what you're saying of Harrow was not the final boss. Stephen and Mark coming to terms to work together was the final boss. So you might have a good right. point there. I got to disagree with you on the blackout too, though, because I think that was important. I think we got a lot of, we finally got fight scene in this episode and we got a lot of it. So I don't think I needed to see just a little bit more to know how Jake would have beaten all those guys to a pulp and like almost killed Harrow. I think it made it more twisty because 
they kept alluding to that third coffin in the last week on Moon Knight, but no payoff. And we hadn't seen that blackout happen in a few episodes. So the fact that it happened one more time at the very end was almost like, wait a second, this problem is not fully solved. And those of us that knew that Jake Lockley was probably coming, it wasn't that surprising. But the fact that right at the very end, we have one more blackout. I felt like it was more of a, hey, here's some conflict for season two. We'll handle that later because there's going to be is, a season two. And that's that's something we can talk about once we get towards the end of the episode. But uh, the, the the idea that there might be a season two because they're, everything points to they have no plans for a season two, but everyone would love to do one if they were offered. Yeah, I... Didn't they change the wording though? I thought it said I thought episode six was described on some Marvel site. Maybe it was Marvel. There, it was a tweet. Yeah, their it tweet, was a tweet. was it, they said series finale, then they deleted it and called it season finale. Right. But they Devil's Advocate, they did call the end of WandaVision a season finale as well. Although the name of the episode was series finale, so Ah. Who knows? Well, that could be a fitting episode title for the theme of the show. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, the Oscar Isaac is technically not signed on for anything else. Yeah. With Marvel. It was just this one season not signed on for any film appearances, cameos or second seasons, but he has been very open about the fact that if, you know, the people are responsive to the show, which I believe they have been, mm-hmm. and if People want more, and they have a good story. He wants to come back. So, gosh, so I don't think we've seen the last of Moon Knight, but I wouldn't have minded a Moon Knight will return. Yeah, I'd almost feel I'd almost feel mad if we don't get him again now yeah. because yeah. of that ending. Anyway, I won't. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, at the very least, I'd love like a Defenders style show that gets some of the Disney Plus characters together and puts Moon Knight in there. And that's like Dracula. I, <laughs> fucking nerd <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all partially convinced me good C's get Layla degrees. knows how to end this she tells Mark to grab Harrow and the pieces of his scepter back in the chamber of the gods they place the unconscious and battered Harrow onto a slab of stone the power of the room will help them bind Amit to Harrow's vulnerable body holding hands they begin an incantation as energy flows uh, from them and through the statue of the Ennead within the chamber. The circle of energy begins to feed into Harrow as Amit realizes what is happening, feeling herself sucked back toward the chamber. Speaking through Harrow, Amit threatens that they'll never be able to contain her. She'll never stop. With Kanchu and Tawedit no longer in control of Mark and Layla's respective bodies, Kanchu tells Mark to finish it and end Harrow and Amit, leaving neither of them alive. While he lives, so too does she. Mark believes he has to do this. Otherwise, he'll never be free. Layla stops him, reminding him that he is free and that he has a choice. Believing that Kanchu now sounds exactly like Amit, Mark lets go of Harrow. If Kanchu wants them dead, he'll have to do it himself. Now Kanchu must release Mark and Stephen. Kanchu begrudgingly complies and leaves. A glimpse of the white void. Stephen is back in Dr. Harrow's office, questioning if this is what reality looks like. He asks the doctor if he believes that Kanchu and Amit are real. 
Harrow responds, no, he does not, as he gets up and walk back to his, walks back to his chair. Mark's voice poses that they disagree and believe in something different. Dr. Harrow deduces that their work here continues. Looking at the floor, Mark notices Harrow's trail of bloody footprints, which leaves the doctor perplexed. Realizing that Harrow doesn't know as much as he leads on, Mark and Stephen refuse to accept his diagnosis. Instead, they'd rather go save the world. Laters, gators! That was a cool moment, but I have a question. Why does he say we're going to go save the world when they've just given up their superpowers? I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah. That that bothered me a little bit. Uh, I mean, to be fair, going back to comic origins, oftentimes Mark does not have powers and he just wants to fight crime. And I, I, I think there's also a a God, I feel like I keep making excuses for this show. But I feel like there's also a world in which what he means is not that they are going to save the world. But if he has to choose between the world where he is a mental patient and a world where he is a superhero who saved the world, that's the world he wants to live in. Okay. I want to be the one that saves the world. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. And it bears repeating for the thousandth time that I have brought this up on this podcast, but goddamn Oscar Isaac's performance in this is just so good, especially when he is bouncing between um, Mark and Steven in this scene seamlessly. I feel like you could look at a screen grab and know who he's being in that moment. Just the little things he does to his face. It's incredible. It's so good. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me on that. Yeah, I don't even know how to actor. expand on it because it was the major reason I liked the show. Major reason I liked the show? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell a quick story then instead about how cool a dude Oscar Isaac is. Please um, do. I was at a location. Um, what? Where... Doesn't sound uh, like you at all. <laughs> I was at a location where there are videos of Oscar Isaac as part of the attraction because he plays a character who is in the attraction. I'm being Oscar... really vague here. I'm not sure I'm following. And anyway, the point is Oscar Isaac. You have to look up X Men Apocalypse attractions. Hmm. Um, Oscar Isaac was going through the attraction one day, um, and you know people recognize him. Uh, fun fact: he does not care that people recognize him. But one of my favorite moments was Oscar Isaac walks up to uh, someone who was playing the bad guy from a film series, one of the bad guys from a film series that Oscar Isaac was in. And um, as Oscar Isaac walks up, again, this is Oscar Isaac. He's a guest in this theme park. Uh, the person, the the operator of the attraction goes, oh, resistance scum, huh? And Oscar Isaac responds with, that's resistance general scum to you. <laughs> that's incredible. Hell Without yeah. that's so missing cool. a beat. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. He's my favorite. Yeah. Like um I will also tell you that people were cheekily and they shouldn't have, but that's fine. People kept calling him Poe and he would respond. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I love it. I love it. I'm glad he's a cool guy about about all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's not only is he a cool guy, like he clearly like I genuinely get the sense that he just thinks it's cool that he's a part of Star Wars. Like like the way I would if I was a part of Star Wars. Yeah. The way I kind of do as part of Star Wars. But um, <laughs> like but he, different. He, right, but different. But he genuinely seems to think, and I would imagine, I would bet he's like that here with, with Moon Knight as well. Like, wow, it's cool that I'm a part of this. It's mm-hmm. I, I like that. I will support him in his future endeavors. <laughs> Mark suddenly wakes up in Stephen's apartment flat. His leg shackled by his homemade restraints. The sand around the bed is undisturbed. Mark calls out, Mark calls out to Stephen out loud if he's there, to which Stephen responds that he can't believe it worked. Mark, however, can't believe Steven lives in this freaking mess. Then we get the credits. And Peach, it's time. You have alluded to it <laughs> for episodes. It is finally time for the big comic reveal. What happens in the comic that you uh, uh, kept close to your chest this whole time? Yeah, uh, obviously we're going to have some spoilers here. So if you like really want to read this comic without having... Uh, a good chunk of plot spoiled. You should just stop listening to me for a few minutes. Um, I don't want to fully spoil it, though, because it is a very good comic. So I'm just going to talk about the first little subsection of it, which I think the Asylum section was based on. And as soon as the Asylum episode and uh, third like took place, the parallels were wild. So I want to talk about that and what happens in the comic. And also... It's funny to me that at the end of this series, before the post credit scene, they wake up in their bed and they learn that the psychiatric hospital is something that they've, they're seeing in their dreams. Somebody, I don't remember who said it, was like, I'm going to be really mad if we find it at the end that they've just been dreaming the whole time. It might have been Arnaldo. I don't know. Somebody said that. Um, well, here, here's what happens. <laughs> here's what happens. So. In the comic, uh, the first like the first section of it, which is based on this hospital, Mark finds himself in a in a it's the Putnam facility, whatever they they call it um, in the show that has the same name. Um, and the people there are kind of abusive. So that's something that's kind of different. The two like main hospital goons that are kind of abusive are the people that played the fake cops. Um, so their names are Billy and Bobby. And they will like constantly take Mark into a room with an electric chair and like shock therapy him um, to try to like drive the mental illness out of him. Um, the writer, uh, Jeff Lemire, said that he wanted to capture the negative stigma of mental illness to shed light on it. Um, and so I think that he put that sort of thing in there because maybe it is an unfortunate thing that does happen and and there needs to be light on that subject but anyway at some point he starts recognizing people in the mental hospital which is very similar to that first scene where we see like the bingo guy and the person he went on a date with and then a couple of the other random people he starts recognizing them and that's how he kind of starts having suspicions that everything's not real crawley is one of them Crowley's like, actually, I'm seeing all this weird stuff, too. I know what's going on here. And they like form a band of the people that he knows to escape the hospital. All the while, 
he keeps flashing back and forth between seeing the people as humans and seeing the people as like uh, monsters. So Billy and Bobby look like humans sometimes. And then sometimes they now look like cat people. Like they're like, uh, like black fur. They like walking around looking like cats and his doctor, his doctor is Dr. Emmett. And at one point he goes, Emmett sounds an awful lot like Amit. And when Hmm. Dr. Emmett is not a human, she has a crocodile head. So I thought that was really cool. Um, The story does slightly uh, revolve around Amit um, as Dr. Emmett. But anyway, lots of shenanigans ensue in this hospital. They're trying to escape whatever. We learn near the end, I'll jump to the end. Um, and you know, this is wildly different than what happened in the show, which is why I'm like comfortable just saying it too. In the end, we learn that, um, the whole thing, Mark being in the hospital and then Mark seeing the people as beasts and all the shenanigans they go through. Some of the people in the group die on their journey, um, is all in Mark's head and it has all been a test by Kanshu. Kanshu has been putting Mark through this entire trial of escaping a mental hospital because he thinks that it is a test for Mar- that. And Mark will allow Kanshu to inhabit his body if he passes the test. And what happens instead is Mark says, no, fuck you. That wasn't cool. He throws himself off of a pyramid and then wakes up and he's Stephen Grant. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen in the show. <laughs> All of that. Now, I know that I just literally told you the plot of the first five issues of that run. You should absolutely still go read it because there's a lot of stuff in between that I didn't talk about. There's a lot of familiar characters. The artwork is, I already talked about this, but the artwork is so good it is the prettiest comic that i have read to date i know i haven't read a ton of comics by comparison but it is the prettiest comic and when he does eventually in the later issues not one through five but you do get to see more of steven and jake lockley in the other issues that like transition between art styles whenever he is one of the three authors super cool one of the four authors i mean because there's the space mark yeah, as space well. mark can't forget space um, mark yeah so Go read that series. It's by Jeff Lemeyer again. Uh, I think Greg Smallwood, one other person that I can't remember the name of. I'm sorry. Um, and it's phenomenal. It is. It was really cool to see. I, you know, I, I don't know what I would do in the future. I liked watching Hawkeye and then reading the Matt Fraction stuff. I also liked reading this and then watching Moon Knight. Uh, I think in the future, I'd probably do it the Hawkeye order, though, because I I my expectations did not ruin the show, but I thought they might. You know, I thought I if the plot happens this exact way, I'm going to know about it and it won't be surprising to me. And now I have to keep my mouth shut for these, you know, two episodes in between because I might know something that happens, you know. So I think in the future, I'll probably do it in the opposite order but i got to say it it would be really hard to resist if the comic was well done and this comic is super well done highly recommend it i probably will i've been thinking about getting um 
Marvel Now. Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited. Unlimited. Yeah, you should. Now? It's now Marvel is now. now was Marvel Now was a uh, uh not an event, but like one of the big lines. We're at now now. It's like you know, like okay, everything is now labeled as Marvel Now, and we're doing a bunch of new number ones, and we're starting a big new crossover story here. Now is a great time to jump in. That's what Marvel Now. Was. When will then? No, be actually, now? what I was thinking of is PlayStation Now. Oh, <laughs> I realized where my well, that's going was. away too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I also recommend Marvel Unlimited. I've been able to read a lot. Uh, I mean, you guys know I've talked about it. Like, I've oh, been yeah. able to read a lot um, since then, and it makes it really easy to like follow along with the, the right storylines yeah. and that sort of thing. And it just collects it all in one place. And you have a tablet, Robbie. So you have a really nice medium for yeah. well, I don't think I would like it as much on a phone. I think oh, it would be right. too hard. I'd have to zoom in on every panel on a phone. Um, but the, I think a tablet works really well. Yeah, the, it's great on a tablet. The great crime is that a few years ago, I had a job where this is cushy, but I had a job where I spent hours a day being paid to sit and wait and do nothing. And I was using my tablet to read comic books during that. Um, but I was reading them illegally. Ooh, <laughs> um, nice. But I did a lot of reading. Like I read almost the entire run of amazing Spider-Man over the course of a few months. And that was great. That was fun. Um, now I have a job that if I were to buy uh, Marvel unlimited, I would care that much about the money i spent on it but the juxtaposition is i don't have the time to sit you don't get to use it right Mm -hmm. (laughs) right it's a catch 22 but i'm still thinking about it at least having it around for like reading an issue a week or something um one thing now we're getting in the weeds but one reason i haven't is i actually still like physical comic books and but then i also don't like going to the store and finding a place to put my physical comic books so I can I, see that. I, my problem with physical comic books is that if I miss a week sometimes with a physical yes. comic book, yes. I then am suddenly shit out of luck because if they don't have any more Correct. issues of that comic, that happened to that's me. That's it. I gotta just move on to the next one. That happened to me at my local comic book store. I was couldn't handle that. I was getting Amazing Spider Man in my box, and so I was going and picking up Amazing Spider Man, and then I miss. Uh, no, it was wasn't having it in the box. I needed to do the box. I was doing mm-hmm. the box, but this was before I was doing the box, and I went. The box ended because of the pandemic, but that's another story. Um, this was before the box. I was going and picking it up, and then there was a month that I missed it because I just forgot to go get Amazing Spider-Man that month. And then it was like I went back to try and buy buy the issue, and it was like twenty dollars. And I just no. So also that's dumb. It's dumb that what you guys that was- are talking about is exactly why I stop myself from collecting things because mm-hmm. the moment that I miss something mm-hmm. that I can never get again, or I would have to spend yep. a stupid amount of money to buy it from someone. I would, I would be so distraught coming full circle. It's also why I stopped watching lost because when lost was on TV, <laughs> it was back when you didn't just get to, Oh, I missed it. I'll watch it on this streaming service or I DVR it. Like, it was, you need to make sure your Thursday is open to watch Lost. And there was a Thursday that I didn't have open. And then I decided, well, I'll just watch next week. Peaches, there's no way you can know this, but that was a mistake. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And then I just quit on Lost because I missed one episode. Well, you have no excuse now. You should really watch it. Remember the time <laughs> thing? If I have time to watch Lost, I have time to read comic books. You have time to clean. 
if you have time to lean. Please don't say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what did everybody think of the uh, abrupt cut to the credits here? Before before we get to the actual credit scene. Oh, what like we, the like, he hits uh, the floor and then the mo- the show's over. Oh uh, yeah, because just the um. Oh hey, they're in this. They're back in his flat, and roll credits because I said, "Well, surely there's ten more minutes." I I guess I didn't think anything of it. I felt it kind of weird, only, not only, mostly because all the other episodes were fifty plus minutes long, and this one was forty four. Yeah. And I feel like there were some sections, I think relatively, this episode was relatively well paced, but Mm -hmm. there were some sections that felt rushed. And I almost feel like they could have given themselves a few more minutes and including this scene and maybe added something. I I feel like there was like some denouement we were missing here. Like there was, you know, he passes out in the pyramid. We never hear from Layla for for the rest of the episode. We... We we get that great scene in the asylum, which I thought was a great closure to that. And now we get that, okay, they're cohabitating in London now, Mark and Stephen. <laughs> um, but I don't with know. Two goldfish. I, yeah, they, with they two push goldfish. the goldfish bed together. <laughs> and uh, and did you notice a little boat in the uh, tank? Tower it's boat. No. I didn't see that. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, it felt like there. I don't know. It just felt like I was expecting there to be just a little bit more explanation about what their new status quo was. And instead, we went right to the credits. I don't know. It. it yeah, I felt a little bit better. I I think I'm OK with it. And this is getting into the post credits a little bit. But as long as we get a season two, I'm OK with how it ended. So we'll see. I think I agree. At Sankiewicz Psychiatric Hospital, a disheveled and sedated Arthur Harrow knocks over a cup of coffee onto his drawing. A hospital attendant signals that it's time for him. However, as she approaches Harrow, a gloved man tells her in Spanish that he's got him as he begins to wheel Harrow away. As they're heading down the hallway, Harrow grows concerned as he begins to notice slumped over bodies in the hallway at the reception area. Harrow is placed inside a long, white limo as the driver heads to the front seat. Looking across from us, Harrow spots Conchu in a white, formal suit, laughing that Conchu can't hurt us. Bemused, Conchu reveals that he never wanted Layla as his avatar after they parted ways. Why would he ever need another avatar when Mark doesn't realize how troubled he truly is? As the limo window divider rolls down, Contru introduces Harrow to Mark's third alter, Jake Lockley, who shoots him. The limo with the plates Spectre drives off into the unknown. We, we finally got the big reveal, fellas. Jake Lockley is here. He is teased for a season two. We don't even know if we're getting. <laughs> and I am. I think there will be some people who will be upset that we didn't get Jake Lockley throughout the whole season. But to be honest, where would you have fit him in? 
If I think about this season and what happened and the story that they were telling, there's no place for Jake Lockley there. You could have had him be like a small little tiny character as like a fun throwaway thing, but to have a real emotional, uh, to take the kind of emotional care they did with Steven and Mark, I don't think you're able to do that with a third personality all over the course of these six episodes. I agree with that. Yeah, I think it, again, gets back to, I guess probably the issue is there was a lot to say and handle in only six episodes. Because um, I think I, I think I agree. I maybe stru- restructure this last episode a little bit to fit him in. Because I mean, you, you did fit him in. It's just you fit him in in the end credits sequence. Um, but other than that, I think I agree. I think the only thing that I, I, I go back to last week's episode. The only thing at this point that makes the Jake story weird because he really was there all along, right? The the time when he was fight in the third episode when they were fighting the like mm-hmm. the people in Cairo or wherever they were, and suddenly they're dead. We know now for sure that was Jake. I mean, we knew before, but but um, I think the only thing that kind of still doesn't balance right with me uh, was the fact that only two hearts were needed on that scale, and I think that if Jake was really a part of uh the 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 personality trio why didn't he have to contribute to that i still find that strange i think because mark's heart is complete because he doesn't know that jake exists mm-hmm. maybe so his heart can be complete because it is between him and steve because he knows steven is there him and steven have come to an understanding he doesn't even know jake is there which is why he doesn't need it for mark to have a complete heart because that's all we're talking about. we're talking about mark specter having a complete heart i guess that's and so true. if we're each talking about them each as individuals mark heart mark's heart is complete or so he knows as he thinks sure i could see that i feel like that'd be the explanation they'd go with right yeah i mean he's still locked in the sarcophagus but he's trying to beat his way out you know it was shaking so Maybe he had some, I'm sure if we get a season two, we'll find out he had some other very sad, traumatic event that caused, you know, Jake to do whatever Jake needed to do. I think it'll probably go back to war for some reason, since he was, you know, he was in the military for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he wasn't really okay with killing people and he needed Jake to be able to be comfortable with it, you know? But he obviously did it a few times himself because of that room full of sand zombies. Anyway, getting too off topic. Um, yeah. So we this is the point where we usually do, how do we think this is going to affect the greater MCU? And Chris... The, the the cool part I'm gonna say cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> insert my uh, you opinion can on it. Uh, as I as I uh, ask this question, is that this doesn't connect to the greater MCU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much its own thing, which I I personally am fine with that. I do know people who have been frustrated throughout this whole run of this series. They're like, I don't get how it connects, and and it is frustrating for them because the thing that they like about the MCU is all the connections. And, you know, everyone views it, views their shows and movies and how they experience it in a different way. Everyone 
values different aspects of it in different ways. I always love the connections. I think the crossovers are fun. I am very glad that they were not forced to to do any crossovers that they didn't want to do. I'm going to read you a little quote here from Mohammed Diab, who you know the head director of the show, for lack of a better term. Uh, we had the freedom to place it whenever. I want to tell you the very first scene, there was a crossover. And the very end scene, there was a crossover. But as the story developed and we kept changing the scripts, we felt like we don't need that. All of us. It was a collective decision. And then I kept thinking, it's a rule. There has to be a scene at the end that connects us to the MCU. Excuse me. But they, but I think they decided, you know what? The surprise is that there isn't. And what's going to make this show unique is it doesn't need anything else. Um, I'm going to stop there because the second half of this quote, I actually have a bit of an issue with, which I might bring up if we have time. Uh, but focusing specifically on the connections to the MCU, I thought it was very interesting. I think... There are three throughout the entire series. Am I right? There was the uh, ad on the bus in the second episode for the global repatriation council or whatever from Falcon mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. They mentioned Madripoor and then Tawaret mentioned the ancestral plane. I think those are the only three connections. They never even mentioned the blip or anything. I wasn't Probably able to think that episode, comes to but the ancestral plane uh, line actually made me really happy. Yeah. Peaches, were you saying something? Oh, I said nothing else comes to mind for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's fine because I don't know what would have worked. I, I, I don't know. The only cameo that I could think of that might have made logistical sense is since he worked in a museum in London that we might have seen Cersei from Eternals or something. But or, um, what's his name? The dude, uh, John Snow. Yeah, yeah, uh, the Black Knight. I can't even think Black of his, yeah, his, yeah. the character's real name dude, off, off the cares? top of my head. Yeah, Dane Dane Harrow. Dane Harrow, not Dane. Dave. Dane. Dave. Little Dicky. Hi, this bitch don't know about Pangea. Black Knight is the alias of. That's Dane something. Yeah, Dane, Dane Whitman. Dane Whitman. Dane Don. Screen <laughs> cop. <laughs> oh boy. Um, anyway, yeah, but there were rumors, and frankly, that probably doesn't mean anything because apparently this rumor came about because Oscar Isaac was seen having lunch with Mark Ruffalo uh, while they were filming. But there were rumors that Hulk was going to be in it. That wouldn't have made any damn sense. How? Oh, how it's so weird. How do you fit the Hulk into this show? Um, the Hulk has a second personality. Or Bruce Banner has a second personality, okay. sort of. Okay, there we go. We're joking. Right. We're well, joking. We're joking. But that actually, the Hulk yeah, I don't think that's a joke. Would actually fit now that you say that. Now, yeah. Again, we don't have time for that in these six episodes. <laughs> Down I, the now line. Now you said that. <laughs> in the future, actually, I might like to see that. If we but, saw yeah. Fix it, dealing with with uh, with these characters. Brought to you by Peach's Storks. There, there, there are pictures of like um, Willem Dafoe on set for Moon Knight. Uh, it's like Moon Knight. It's um, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke, and um, Willem Dafoe all like. There's another personality trapped think, in the brain. I think we yeah. heard that he just that he just like visited the set for fun, like he was just there. But another, like you said, another personality <laughs> yeah. split person. Yeah. 
There were also rumors that Sharon Carter might have returned, which there was a brief Mad Report connection, so maybe, but I, I yeah. And uh, and then other reports suggested Blade or Werewolf by Night. Because Na- they are working on Werewolf by Night, Yeah, right? so yeah, we're getting the, that Halloween special with Werewolf by Night. So maybe we'll see Moon Knight again then, who knows? But that feels more like people just making guesses based on like what kind of characters might meet up with Moon Knight. But this was very much Mark and Steven's story, and I feel like any cameos, at least, would have been a distraction from that story. And kudos to that, because you you always hear about, oh, Marvel always has to make you just get excited for the next thing. Well, this show wasn't about that at all. It was about introducing Moon Knight. And the state that we leave this character in, these characters in at the end of the series, they're not ready to join up with the rest of the heroes yet. They still have some work to do. They got to figure out this Jake thing. And, you know, Conchu is lied, sort of. Well, I mean, one of those, like, to the letter, I will release the both of you. I -hmm. won't release Jake, but you don't know about him, so it doesn't affect you, really. You know? Sneaky. Deal with the devil kind of deal. He made one of those kind of deal with the devils with you. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, yeah. And, you know, I do think that down the line, we're going to get crossovers. And it's going to be cool when we do, because I think there are a lot of neat things from this series, even just these six episodes, uh, which we've talked about several times on the show already with the, the Egyptian pantheon being introduced in a world that already has Asgard and Greek gods and other gods. And, you know, eventually we're getting, we're getting more and more into supernatural characters now. And Moon Knight fits right in with that. And it will be interesting to eventually see him meet up with perhaps some of the Avengers. That's going to be cool when we get there. It's okay that we're not there yet. Do you know what I would love? Tell us. As if the Batman comparisons were not already there. Have any of you ever watched the animated series Batman the Brave and the Bold? I've seen some episodes, yeah. It's good good stuff. So for those that don't know, it's almost like an anthology series of Batman where every episode Batman has another superhero counterpart with him. Mm Mm-hmm. So one episode, it's him and Green Arrow hanging out. One episode, it's him and Plastic Man. One episode, it's him and Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, you know. And he has like a different thing. I would love a Disney Plus of Moon Knight, Batman Brave and the Bold anthology where it's an episode of Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night. And then an episode of Moon Knight and I don't know, who cares? Miss Marvel, Ant-Man, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I would love to see something <laughs> like that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, that, that would be. Batman Brave and the Bold introduced me to who I've decided, even though I've never seen anything else with this character in it, never anything with this character in it, my favorite DC villain, Gentleman Ghost, who is a ghost that is a gentleman. (laughs) He has no body. He's just a suit, a top hat, and a monocle. He's got a cane. And a cane, yes. Yes, so all the accoutrement of a gentleman, just no body, just the, (laughs) the floating monocle under the floating top hat. And Dude, the fact that he is called Gentleman Ghost is just fantastic. He straight up looks like if you combined uh, Moon Knight and Mr. Knight's costumes. That's funny. I like that. He's like the, the full piece white suit and a cape. Yep. All right. Episode ratings. Robbie, what are you going to rate 
the season finale of Moon Knight? Uh, I did bump it up a little bit. Um, I'm going with eight badass ex-wives out of ten. What about you, Chris? Uh, I gave it, as I scroll down to it, uh, oop, almost skipped ahead, eight conchus in suits out of ten. Uh, Peach? I, uh, I also gave it eight. I gave it eight silly old birds out of ten. Eduardo? And I gave it nine kaiju fights out of ten. That was going to be mine. kaiju fight. Now, series ratings. Robbie, mm. what are you going to rate Moon Knight as a series? I think I am going to bump it up a little. Uh, and honestly, I really think I could change my opinion on this one way or the other given time because of how still difficult it is for me to wrap my brain around this show. But anyway, uh, for today and today only, I'm giving it 7.5 mystery boxes out of 10. Chris? I really enjoyed the hell out of this show. Um, I, I thought every episode was at least pretty darn good. So uh, uh, I gave it nine hippo boat skippers out of 10. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Isn't that ironic? Isn't, don't you think? That that the, the hippo <laughs> is the one that it, is the skipper yeah. of the boat? I only That's just funny. came to that realization tonight. And I, and I really appreciated her ears wiggling all the time, by the way. Yep. I, I liked her. Felt justified in the knowledge that we've passed on to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peach, what about you? Uh, I also really enjoyed the series as a whole. The mystery aspect of it really does it for me, as you know, as I've said 25 times. So I ended up giving the whole series, despite not really loving episode three that much, nine imaginary asylums out of 10. Eduardo? Uh, a big surprise. I really liked this show. I give it nine personality trios out of 10. And if I was going to... Nine trios. Um, 27 trios. Actually, I'll talk about it here in a sec. Series MVP. Robbie, we'll start with you. Who is the MVP, the MVP for Moon Knight? For me, was the voice actor of Miguel O'Hara. How about you, Chris? I uh, I gave it to Poe Dameron. Uh, how about you, Peach? Uh, I You guys are both wrong. I thought it was that guy who played Apocalypse. We don't talk about that. Wait. I just did. What are you talking about? You guys are all wrong. <laughs> the MVP of this show is Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. Okay? Get okay. it right. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay? Look, the, the only okay. reason I did is because I knew I couldn't say it as good as you did. <laughs> he was so good. I don't know if we have anything else to say about that. We've already... We, we talk about how good he is every five seconds, yes. but he was fantastic yes. Yes. during the series. I will, Easily I will say it's one of those things where, yeah, I will say though it's one of those things where I kind of feel bad that, I mean, feel bad isn't the right word because the other actors in the show were also great. It's they yeah. just they didn't do what Oscar Isaac did. It, <laughs> you it know? was his show. He is yeah. one of those actors. We've talked about this a couple of times with a few of the performances. He's one of those actors where when he is on screen, your your face just sort of gravitates to him. Like he has that like gravitas. Um, you know, he just he just has it. And he he uh just has a presence about him that is it's fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh series rankings. Chris, we'll start with you this time. What are you going to rank? Where are you going to put Moon Knight in your Disney Plus series rankings? I've been thinking about this for the past two days. I knew it was going to land in one of two spots, depending on 
this episode. And what I settled on is uh, my number one show is still WandaVision. And I feel confident in that because I've just finished rewatching it. And my God, I love that show so much. Um, I was between two shows for my number two. And at this moment in time, my number two show is still Loki. A hair, a hair ahead of Moon Knight is my new number three show. They are very close and close to WandaVision as well. But as I said before, WandaVision felt specifically engineered to my tastes. So it's going to be very hard to dethrone that. Uh, But Moon Knight coming in at number three, just behind Loki, uh, followed by Hawkeye. What if? And then the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Eduardo, how how do you have it uh, stacking up? Uh, As everyone knows, I really liked Loki. And I think Loki is still my favorite of these shows so far. I also will put WandaVision. If I was going to do a tier list, I would put Loki and WandaVision in S tier. They are S tier shows. They are the top of the top, the upper echelon. In A tier right now is Moon Knight by itself. It is Moon Knight just a hair behind Loki and WandaVision, but still cream of the crop. And then moving on to like B, you'll have like Hawkeye and What If, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldiers living down in the depths below somewhere. Uh, Peach, what about you? <laughs> I I liked the way that you just said that because as you changed it into a tier list, I also ranked everything exactly the same way. I was like, he's going to say S tier for these two. He's going to say A for Moon Knight, Hawkeye, and What If are on the same tier. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to basically just say all the same things that Eduardo just said. Um, and as far as the actual order goes, I am still in the... I have not recently watched rewatched WandaVision or Loki, so... To me right now, they're both interchangeable for my number one spot. Moon Knight, I think, like like Chris was saying earlier, um, not necessarily the ending. I just think the other two shows came together as a whole slightly better than Moon Knight did, which it didn't come together poorly. Just the other two did really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's third on my list. And then, yeah, Hawkeye, what if Falcon and the whatever. Well, I have so much disdain that I don't need to have. It was not a bad show. It just wasn't no. what we wanted it to be. I, I you know? revisit it one of these days. I think it was yeah. bad. I think it was bad. I actually think it was bad. It was one of the <laughs> only MCU things that was bad, but it was bad. It had like yeah. a good episode, but as a series, it was bad. You put two uh, greater than signs between... <laughs> So, the thing before it and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So you're passionate. Don't read too much into that. That was just me separating things before Eduardo. No, said, I'm reading into okay. it. <laughs> before Eduardo said what he said, I, I I did do tears. Because to me, there's two groups where I have trouble kind of discerning the order in those two groups. Um, my number one is WandaVision. Uh, really for the same reasons uh, Chris said. I think WandaVision was just particularly designed for my tastes. Um, but I also like Loki. Uh, so a lot um, so Loki is my number two. And then on another tier, um, I have actually changed the order of these while we've been talking. Uh, I'll probably have to spend time. But right now, today only, uh, my tier two order is What If, Hawkeye, and then Moon Knight. Um, and then at the bottom, the, the one that I'm comfortable with is Fat World Series is at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, interesting. I'm wondering, just looking at a list, and I wonder, we're all seeing a movie tomorrow. 
And I'm wondering how we will feel about what if after watching this movie and also maybe and WandaVision after after this movie we're seeing tomorrow. I wonder if uh, maybe Loki. Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, did you hear Kevin Feige actually brought that up uh, at the premiere of Wanda or um, of Multiverse of Madness? Oh, yes. Loki. That well, well that Loki brought, set this up. That uh, Loki, the end of Loki is what set up No Way Home. That mm-hmm. because of the he who remains leaving his post and like the universe being like set free, that's what enabled the spell to work and like caused that to go haywire. Like because we wouldn't have been able to reach the other there. universes without that, right? Mm-hmm. I I did see that. Yeah, uh, Angela told me about that because people are like, oh my gosh, this news, and he's like, no, you just had to pay attention. Exactly. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is exactly. I should call in for work tomorrow so that I can binge Loki. You should call in for work tomorrow just for fun. All right, well that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. If you wait, like is to support it the show? What are we gonna? Are we doing the recommendations? Oh, the recommendations. Bro, I almost forgot. And Robbie doesn't even know about yeah, this. Yeah, it's our you, new segment, And do you have the patrons, too? I do. I do. I was okay. going to say that after. I was okay. going to get to that. But. I'm sorry. You can edit this out. I'm sorry. I recommend tacos. Um, does anybody have any recommendations to get our listeners through their week? Well, Robbie recommends tacos. <laughs> So I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, So uh, Peaches, uh, pay close attention to this one. (laughs) There is a new podcast that I am listening to, and it is uh, by the lead singer of Paramore, Haley Williams. Say no more. I'm in. (laughs) It is called Everything is Emo. And it's going to, it goes, it's a 20 part podcast that goes into the history of emo music. And in the podcast, she plays a curated playlist that she makes. And she talks in between each song about why it's important, important to her, important to the scene. I, the first episode came out a couple days ago. I listened to the whole thing. It's incredible. If you have any interest in this, I suggest you go rush out. You have to go to the BBC website to listen to it because it's using licensed music. But trust me, if you have any interest in the emo genre, listen to this podcast. It's incredible. I have been listening to so much Paramore lately, uh, partially because Peloton is doing this like 22 days of rock program right now. And like every third day, one of the instructors does a Paramore ride with all Paramore music. So I'm just like constantly hearing paramore stuff but then i like like i'm on my trips to and from work and i'm like i want to listen to still into you and i'm just like screaming in my car uh yeah i want that right now (laughs) please great recommendation my follow-up is not going to be as good but i already talked about it i really do want to stress recommending marvel unlimited if you have a good way to read uh the the comics in a digital format and you have time. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. Um, you should get it. I it's not. I don't think it's that expensive. They're not paying me to say this. I just think that it's cool. If you like comics, if you are cool with like an e-reader style thing, you know, if you don't have to have the book in front of you or the comic in front of you, I just think it's a really great, easy way to like catch up on this stuff that you're clearly interested in if you're listening to this podcast. I mean, maybe... Maybe you care more about watching your media than reading your media. But I think 
if you like this sort of these sort of stories and this type of content, you're just going to find so much value in Marvel Unlimited. And, you know, again, have a good way to read it. I don't think I would. If I only had my phone, I probably wouldn't do it. But, you know, some people have phones the size of Texas. So you do you. Whoa. Uh, something is happening in Rodney's oh, box. Ignore me. <laughs> okay. Ignore me. Ignoring. Uh, I'll give my recommendation then. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, a trailer was released for a movie I'm very much looking forward to. And that is Weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, which is a fake biopic. Starring what? Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al Yankovic. I didn't realize it was fake. It's fake, mute, yes. Mute it's, your Discord. It is, it's based on a funnier die uh, sketch that was released a few years ago where I'm blanking on the actor's name, but Jesse from Breaking Bad. Um, uh, Aaron Paul. Aaron. Aaron Paul, thank you. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Paul played Weird Al in that, and it's a parody of the super dramatic uh, biopics about like you know the you know the struggle of the of the musician and all the bad times that they go through because Weird Al Yankovic has for the most part had a very normal life uh, has never had any like real terrible issues uh, he's like you know he he he's never lived like the rock star life so it's a parody of that kind of thing where it's like what if Weird Al did do that and it's Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al Yankovic. And the joke of the trailer is basically, here's Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al Yankovic. He's not imitating his voice. He looks like Daniel Radcliffe wearing a Weird Al Yankovic costume. Uh, I can't wait for this movie. I'm very sad because it is a Roku exclusive. (laughs) So I have to find a Roku so I can watch this whenever it comes out. Uh, But my recommendation is go out and listen to some Weird Al Yankovic. I'm a big fan. Um, virus alert virus alert yeah you brought it up earlier i think i've talked about it before but peaches knows because he's been over here to record i have signed weird al yankovic stuff hanging up on the wall behind my computer screen uh so i'm i i'm looked over by weird al yankovic all day you know blessed by his polka presence uh so yeah go (laughs) go 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 find a, a weird al album uh you know listen to some of his polka medleys or some of his parodies his original stuff is great you know, if you don't know any of that, it, it's, you know, we all could use a laugh right now. So Weird Al Yankovic is my recommendation. That's your horoscope for the day. Yeah. My, my, what's, day, what yeah, is yeah, your, yeah, yeah, your horoscope? Yeah, yeah. My, mine is that my friends are all laughing behind me, behind my back. So I should kill them. Kill kill them. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think mine what is, is Bor- mine. mine is the Ernest Borgnine picture, I think. Hold on. Well, that's mine as well. Are, are you, are you the birthday? same? Yeah, because uh, it's kill them and then take down all those naked pictures of Ernest Borgnine you have hanging in your den. Maybe I'm not. Mine is that my birthday party is going to be ruined by my explosive flatulence. You know what? I think that's me. That my <laughs> my love life is going to run into trouble when my fiance hurls a javelin yes, through my chest. Yes, that's me, and that makes sense because you and I, our birthday, are three days apart. So yeah, <laughs> that does make sense. It'd be Eduardo's too. Oh, that's well, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, good talk. There's actually <laughs> seven of us here. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> in astrology. 
Uh, Robbie, do you have anything for our listeners? Any recommendations for them well, to I help wish get I'd through come their week? Prepared. Um, for old times' sake, I would like to recommend that everyone watches the Venture Brothers, um, but I can't tell you what <laughs> service it's on. So, uh, the service is that I own all the Blu-rays there in my house. Um, I believe it's on go HBO. To, go to Robbie's Wait, so you can watch the Venture Brothers. Is that on HBO? <laughs> uh, I need on to double DVD. check. Um, it is on Hulu and HBO Max. I don't know if any of y'all ever saw this, but someone once tagged us on Twitter saying, take a shot every time Robbie tells his friends to watch the Venture Brothers. All right. Well, <laughs> congratulations someone... to those of you playing along. Is that someone we know? I don't think so. It's someone oh, okay. I know, but it's not someone I think any of you know. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, I mean, if I give an actual recommendation, I would say that there is a movie coming out, uh, Multiverse of Madness. And probably watch that, um, and then play some good video games. Um, are there any new video games out? I don't know. <laughs> that was the <laughs> oldest you've ever hey, sounded. What are these new video games? I'm hearing so much about. Because of my schedule, because of my schedule, I am now. I'm still just like I'm trying to play Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West. They're both fantastic. So that's my recommendation. It's just. I'll bet there you most go. of you have already beaten both of those games. So most nope. people listening. Too um, much to collect in Elden Ring. <laughs> so Still I, on it. I think I'm at 120 hours on Forbidden West and I haven't beaten it yet. Um, but uh, so I don't, I haven't picked up anything new and recent. Um, so yeah, I guess my big recommendations are Tacos, Venture Brothers, and Multiverse of Madness. So. Hell yeah. Good recommendations. Well, this time is actually going to be the end of the episode. Uh, If you want to support the show, though, you can do so over at patreon.com slash assembly required. Join our patron exclusive discord. Uh, Here are uh, up to the to the to the very second thoughts right after we get out of Multiverse of Madness. Huge, huge shout outs to our Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian and Michael. If you want to send the show an email, you can do so. Assemblyrequiredcast, gmail.com. Want to follow the show on Twitter? It's going to be at Assemblycast. You can follow some of us individually. Maybe CD Eduardo 1 for myself, GatorSax2010 for Chris, and PhilKid3 for Robbie. But that's going to do it for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, and for Peaches. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hydra. Bobbly, bobbly. latest gators there was a full <laughs> split second of me forgetting wait what is it that i said i can remember when we walked together sharing a love i thought would last forever then something changed her mind her kisses told me I had no love in arms to